I want to kind of uh, make a little bit of a detour from the end time subject, and yet I realize that everything that we talk about is preparing people for the Lord's return. And one of the most important things that um, we need in our life, that we have to have, is prayer. Tonight I want to speak to you about three simple needs of prayer. I want to draw our attention this evening toward prayer. Specifically, the things that Jesus had to say about prayer, as well as the very prayers of Jesus himself. Before we look at the words of Jesus, I want you to hear this statement by a great 19th century revivalist by the name of Thomas Guthrie. Now, I'll read it slowly so that you can get this, and maybe even read it twice. Let me get a quick drink of water. Here we go. The first true sign of spiritual life, prayer, is also the means of maintaining it. Man can as well live physically without breathing as spiritually without prayer. There is a class of animals, the whale, that inhabit the deep. It is their home. They never leave it for shore, yet though swimming beneath its waves and sounding its darkest depths, they have ever and anon to rise to the surface that they may breathe the air. And something like what is imposed on them by physical necessity, the Christian has to do by a spiritual one. It is by ever and anon ascending up to God by rising through prayer into the loftier, purer region for supplies of divine grace that he maintains his spiritual life. Prevent these great monarchs of the deep from rising to the surface, and they will die for want of breath. Prevent the Christian from rising to God, and he dies for want of prayer. Wow. (laughs) That's a pretty powerful story right there. Tonight I want to talk to you about about prayer with the words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 5 through 8. And so if you have your Bibles with you, why don't you get them? And let's, uh, let's take a look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. <clears throat> Give you a minute to get there. All right, verse 5, chapter 6, the book of St. Matthew. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetitions as the Gentiles do, For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And then he, of course, goes on to share the wonderful classic Lord's Prayer. I want to share with you three needs of prayer. There's the number one is the need for exclusion, the second is the need for awe. And the third is the need for trust. And we're going to just talk about those three things, exclusion, awe, and trust for just a minute. Let's talk about the need for exclusion. 
when you approach God, you have to exclude so many other things in your life. You have to shut out other people. You have to shut out other noises. You even have to shut yourself out. You need to get rid of the distractions. You, you need to get away from everything that might prevent you from spending time with the Lord in a private, intimate moment with the Father. Verse 6 says that when we pray, we are to enter into the closet or enter into your inner room. Shut the door and pray. What does the closet mean? Well, we all know that that's a place we hang our clothes. And uh, it can be that, but it's talking about getting alone in a private, secluded place where you can exclude everything else, every other distraction away from you to spend time with God. It means to shut other things out, to zone out, if you will, others, and even yourself during prayer. What do I mean by self? Because the brain is always, man, I'll tell you what, when you go to pray, the enemy will put more thoughts and remind you of more things than you could have remembered all day long during your prayer time. So you have to shut down every possible distraction. When we pray, Wherever we may be, we have to deliberately keep reminding ourselves that we're getting ready to talk to God. And so the first need of prayer is the need of exclusion, separation, privacy, if you will, intimacy with God. We were singing some songs a few minutes ago, but even if there had been 300 of you here, I'd have been singing by myself to the Father. It was an intimate moment that excluded everything else. And that last statement I said is that we need to deliberately keep reminding ourselves of who we're getting ready to talk to leads us right to the second need, and that's the need of awe. After exclusion comes realization, and it's a realization of what? It's a realization that we're going into the presence of God. I think we rush into prayer time so often without a, a recognition, a realization, an understanding that we're about to go into the throne room of the creator of the universe and talk to God himself. Hello, somebody. Before we say a word, we ought to say to ourselves, I am now entering the chamber of God. I am now Entering the inner room with Almighty God, the absolute, the eternal, the great God with all of his power and all of his might and all of his majesty, the God that is a consuming fire, the God that is a jealous God, the God in whom there is no darkness at all, that he is utter and absolutely holy. And you need to be able to get to that place where you can exclude yourself and then realize you're about to go into the presence of an awesome God. And you need to be deliberate about this, and about doing this, this awe, this reverence that recognizes the deity of God, but also recognizes another thing that Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer, that he's our father. The relationship is that of a father and a child. The Bible tells us that the father, he knows what we have need of even before we ask him. You know, sometimes in my, in my own opinion, humble as it may be, I don't think I need to ask God for anything. I think I just need to love on God. I think I need to do what we just did. You're everything. I need you more. 
Uh, who is like you? None, none are like you. And just worship God for who he is. The Bible tells us that the Father knows what we have need of even before we ask him. If only we could realize that the Almighty God is our Father. If only we would realize that indeed not only is he our Father, but indeed we are his children, and that when we pray, it's like a child going to its father. That's a beautiful, beautiful story. Because God's desire is to bless us. God's desire is to bless us, I dare say, very much more than we even desire to be blessed. Think about that for a minute. He has a view of us that we don't have. He has a plan for us that we don't have. He has a program for us. He has an ambitious, excuse me, he has an ambition and a desire for us. We have to remember that he is God and that he is our Father. The great holy God, the almighty God, is our Father. And he cares for us and he loves us and he has numbered every hair and he has told us that nothing can happen apart from him. And what is the bottom line mindset of prayer? It really is found in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, where it says that he, God, is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Did you hear me? He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. And he knows what we have need of even before we ask him. You don't just turn a prayer wheel, da, 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 see where it lands. You don't count prayer beads. You don't even say, i got to spend hours in prayer, and I've decided I must do it. No, no, no. You don't say that we get blessings because we spend all night in prayer. No, no, no. You can't, you can't do enough activity, religious activity, to impress God whatsoever. We need to get rid of the mathematical notion of a prayer formula. Let me say that again. You need to get rid of a mathematical notion of a prayer formula. We first need to realize who God is, what he is, and what our relationship with him is. And so we, get, we exclude ourselves, we realize with awe who he is, and then the third need is the need for trust. Finally, we have to have confidence in Father God. we got to come with the confidence of a small child. We need childlike faith. God shows, God likes us to show our desperation for him. <laughs> I, I think he gets a kick out of us being desperate for him. And he wants to feel it. He wants us to express it. He tells us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, hunger and thirst for righteousness. He tells us in Luke 18, 1, pray and don't quit. He tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. But that does not mean mechanical, repetitious, meaningless, empty prayers. It means that when I pray, I know that God is my Father. And I know that He delights in blessing me. And I know that He is much more ready to give to me than I am even to receive. Are you hearing me, beloved? And that he's always concerned about my welfare. When I get alone, cut out all of the distractions, shut everything else out, come into his presence with a sense of awe, and then come to him with the confidence of a child and trust 
I know that he's always concerned about everything about me. That's why, and I don't say this boastfully, I don't know that I need to spend a lot of time asking God for things because he knows what I need before I even ask. I need to get with Father and say, I need you more, more than yesterday. That's the kind of stuff that Father God wants to hear from us. This is a quick little Bible study because I have some other things that I want to talk to you about tonight, but in conclusion to this, so we have to exclude. The need to exclude is to get rid of the distractions. We need to realize who we're talking to. That's the second thing. And then we have to have the confidence, the trust to make our requests known to God and to worship Him. We cannot come with doubtful minds. We can't come with fear. We have to come in faith. Doubt and a lack of faith are directly connected to fear, all of which are a wrong thought and an opinion of God, if you think about it. Because if you come having the right thought and the right opinion of God, you won't doubt a thing because you know that He really wants to bless you. And this is the confidence. This confidence and this knowledge of God as our Father that we can have when we come in prayer. And if we can do this, I believe the, the blessings of God will fall on us so overwhelmingly that we, it will be more than we can even contain. Think about that for a minute. If you will exclude yourself from the distractions, if you will come to him in an, in, in an attitude of awe and reverence, and if you'll come to him with trust like childlike faith, he will pour out on you more than you can even contain. God is able to do for us exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask or think. Believe it, beloved. Believe it in the name of Jesus. Give the Lord a praise right now, right where you're at. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Uh, that was a, a, just a small little exhortation about the three needs of prayer. And I wanted to bring to you the National Day of Prayer that's tomorrow. And I got online and kind of looked at their website about the things that they were doing and the focuses that they were having. And I downloaded what are known as the seven points of the National Day of Prayer 2021. And although you're not going to be able to write down all the things I'm saying, the main point you can write down. There are seven things. And I'm going to be praying throughout the day tomorrow. I didn't say I was going into the prayer closet for 24 hours. I'm going to be praying all day long, no matter what I'm doing. I'm going to be praying about these seven things. And I'm asking all of you to join with me tomorrow, the National Day of Prayer, to pray about these seven things. I'm going to list them for you, and then I'm going to actually, I've, I've, I've downloaded portions, paragraphs, excerpts from the National Day of Prayer website to read to you about these specific areas. So the first thing, family. Write that down. Family is one of the seven points of tomorrow's National Day of Prayer. No institution in the culture is facing more intense persecution than the family. Not only are the incidences of divorce, infidelity, and abuse on the rise, but social engineers are relentless in their efforts to dismantle the traditional family. It's crucial that we pray for this vital and foundational unit 
of society, family. <clears throat> Father, we come to you now in the name of Jesus. We worship you and we praise you. We come into your presence with awe. We come into your presence with faith and trust. And we lift up family, families to you, Lord God. Marriages, children, grandchildren. The institution of family, the institution of marriage. The enemy is trying to destroy all of that in so many different ways that it is, well, it's almost frightening, Lord. But we aren't frightened because we know whom we serve. But we are asking you, Lord God, in faith, to begin to put the right pieces of the puzzle, the right politicians, the right voices in place, pastors within churches that will stand up and speak the truth so that family can be one of the most important foundations of our nation. And I pray, Lord God, for this vital and foundational unit of our society in the name of Jesus. So the first point in the National Day of Prayer for tomorrow is family. The second thing is churches. Oh boy, the Christian community, the churches have been under such attack, it's ridiculous. The Christian community as a whole must struggle to be faithful amidst an unbelieving and perverse generation. Churches, put that on your list, second thing after family, churches. And I want you to pray tomorrow, all day. Be praying about this. I just read an article just before church started about a Methodist church down in Illinois that has just ordained a transgender drag queen to be their pastor. What? 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 The church is under attack. Sinfulness is being assimilated as holiness into the confines of the church. It's been a long, slow process that the enemy has taken to make sinfulness be spiritual in the church. Let me read this again. This Christian community as a whole must struggle to be faithful amidst an unbelieving and perverse generation. Our culture is rife with ideologies and activities that run contrary to biblical precepts, and believers must be increasingly counterculture countercultural in order to stay faithful to their convictions. Clearly, the body of Christ needs to intercede as never before. You realize what, what I just said? That believers have to stand out like a sore thumb. They have to stand out as countercultural in order to maintain their Christian basic beliefs. And we're living in a day and age where those who profess faith in Jesus Christ are hated and are marked for ridicule and mocked churches, family and churches. Father, in the name of Jesus, <clears throat> I pray for the church, not just Resurrection Life Church here, but all the church, and especially, Lord, the churches in our community that come from so many different theological, doctrinal backgrounds. And Lord God, not to say that one is better than the other, one is uh, more sinful than the next, but let us be a church, Lord God, that represents what you intended it to be when you created your church. And help us to be a people that you've intended us to be that will show love, that will love others as you have loved us. 
and give us the strength as believers, the church, to stand up against the cultural onslaught, the cultural uh, 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 cascade of stuff that's happening, Lord God, that's just overwhelming people like a tidal wave, like a tsunami. We pray in the name of Jesus that people will be able to stay faithful to their convictions, that churches will be able to stand up for what is true, what is right, what is holy, what is biblical, instead of tailoring it to their own lustful desires. We pray for the church. We intercede as never before for Christians, for pastors, for the church. In Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing is family. The second thing is churches. The third thing is education. Now I'm just listing for you the seven points that the National Day of Prayer website has as their seven points for National Day of Prayer. We're going to join together with Christians all over the globe tomorrow. Education. Today's schools are a far cry from those early classrooms. The influence of postmodern thought has left its mark on 21st century education, introducing concepts such as pluralism, tolerance, and the rejection of absolute truth, while the textbooks used in the colonial days promoted faith-based worldview, today's curricula are replete with materials that accept and in some cases even condone immoral activities and lifestyles. Meanwhile, revisionist teachings about our country's founding remove any reference to the Christian underpinnings that have long set our nation apart and helped it thrive. With this type of atmosphere pervading our classrooms, it is especially critical that we pray for our nation's public school teachers, our nation's public school administrators, and our nation's students. Ask the Lord to raise up a new generation of dedicated educators who will commit themselves not only to an honest, accurate presentation of all subject matter, but who will also serve as positive role models for their students. And I'll add, may the Lord raise up a new generation of students in the name of Jesus. We need to pray about the education that's taking place in our schools today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you and I just speak against this insidious, demonic activity that is basically changing the moral fiber of today's kids. And it's been happening, Satan has been doing it for multitudes of years, and it's coming to a head. And Lord God, we just ask for your intervention. Now, Lord, we know that you're coming soon. And I know, Lord, that there's probably some of these things that we can pray against. And I know, Lord, that in many respects we're only praying for what may just be a delay. But at the same time, we have a, a hope for your coming. And we know that some of these things are supposed to happen. But right now, God, there are kids that are being lied to, that are being taught corrupt, immoral lies. And we ask, Lord God, that somehow that that would be stymied and it would be stopped in the name of Jesus and their hearts and their minds would be protected from the lie of Satan, the distortion of truth, the perversion of the perfect Bible, Lord. We ask for your grace in the name of Jesus. Amen.
<coughs> excuse me. So number one, family. Number two, churches. Number three, education. The fourth thing is government. Yeehaw. <laughs> Our founding fathers established a nearly foolproof system of government. Its checks and balances are among the most noteworthy aspects of our republic. Our executive, legislative, and judicial branches, when functioning as they were designed, champion our liberties and prevent our government from becoming tyrannical and oppressive. By and large, however, the American people are sadly uninformed about democratic principles and their role in safeguarding our freedoms. What's more, the clearly defined lines between the three branches, branches of government are becoming blurred and the United States citizens are paying the price. We must continue to pray that God protects our way of life, asking that he would embed men and women in office who are committed to serve their constitu constituents with integrity. I tell you right now, when the government fails, the nation fails. And I know the Lord is coming soon. Well, as the song you say, whether morning, night, or noon, <laughs> the Lord is coming soon. That doesn't mean that we stick our heads in the sand and just wait for the trumpet to blow. We have to be active. Everyone has their different way of being active. But what we can all do as Christians is be active in prayer. And we need to recognize that the attack on our government is turning into an attack from our government. But it is a satanic thing. And we got to pray against the See, we don't wrestle, wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in high places. So we have to pray against that. We have to pray that good men and women of God are able to be a voice within the government that stymie and stop the avalanche of demonic activity and make a stand against it. And we need to pray for that. We've been instructed in the Bible to pray for kings and authorities in place so that we may live a peaceable, peaceable life and that this is the will of God for us. So we need to pray for them. Whether we like them or not, it's not an issue. In fact, it, maybe it is an issue because we're supposed to love everyone. We're even supposed to love our enemies. Hello! Yeah. Oh, I bet you there are some politicians when their face shows up on the news, on the TV, you're like, ah, I don't like that person. I've even heard some people say, I hate that person. Hello! That's not Christian. That is not the love of Christ. I've heard it said before that you... You love those you pray with, you love those that you pray for, and you love the one you pray to. So I encourage you, let this be a prayer from your Christian foundation as well. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you and I lift our government up before you. It is seriously injured, seriously wounded seriously hobbling right now. We ask for your grace and for your mercy. You've told us in your word in Second Chronicles that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray 
and turn from their wicked ways, that you would hear their prayers, and that you would forgive their sins, and that you would heal their land. Lord, I still have to believe in hope against hope, that even though you're coming soon, there may be a great revival throughout the nation, and even in our government. We ask, Lord God, that the voices of those who are lying, that they would be shut down in the name of of Jesus. And may the voices of those who speak truth, may they herald a clarion call that over, over that supersedes any other voice that's coming out. We thank you for that in the name of Jesus. So, number one, amen, by the way, number one, family, number two, churches, number three, education, number four, government, number five of seven are military. This one's a no-brainer, right? In the wake of September 11 attacks on our soil, on our own soil, the American people have realized that the face of war is forever changed. No longer can we think of combat being fought solely on faraway shores. We must acknowledge that many of the United States enemies are among us, even as others plot against us from afar. With this sobering reality in mind, pray for the courageous troops who are actively serving our country each day, not only at bases around the world, but also here within our borders. Okay, now I'm going to add somebody to military right now that some of you ain't going to like. I don't really, get, I don't really care. But our police force, we need to pray for our police force, the servants that try to help keep the law. I know there's some bad apples out there, but that doesn't mean they're all bad apples. There's, we need to pray for our military. We need to pray for our policemen. We need to pray for our sheriffs. We need to pray for our state troopers. We need to pray for our first responders, the EMTs, and the medical people. We pray in the name of Jesus that they would be protected and may they be honored in this society, Lord God. This society that is currently in a society of dishonor and cancel culture. And wokeness, I pray in the name of Jesus that there would be some honor that would be restored within the fiber of our nation for our military, for our police force, our sheriffs, our, our sheriff deputies, our state troopers, our, our, our first responders, all those, Lord God. Keep them safe. Oh, in the name of Jesus, protect them. Keep them safe, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord God, it just saddens my heart, and I know it saddens you, yours as well, when another family loses their daddy because somebody shot him through a car window. Oh, in the name of Jesus, we ask for your grace and for your help for our military and for our police force. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Number one, family. Number two, churches. I hope you're writing these down because I'm giving you an assignment as the people of God to pray tomorrow, pray without ceasing. Let these seven things be on your mind. If you can't remember, write them on your hand. <laughs> right? So you can always go, oh, these are the seven things I'm supposed to be praying about. Might even be a witness. Somebody sees something written on your hand and you go, they go, what's that? Oh, these are seven things I'm praying about today. I double dog dare you. Go ahead and do it. Family, churches, education, government, military. Number six, oh, we love these folks, media. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus, the media. 
I'm going to read the article portion excerpt from the National Day of Prayer website. The media is unquestionably one of the most powerful and influential voices in our culture. Journalism used to be a simple matter of reporting the facts and where there was controversy presenting both sides of the story. Unfortunately, that is no longer the case. From the top national networks to local newspapers, we are faced with the challenge of sorting through commentary and conjecture in order to get to the truth. We need to pray for truth and morality to be presented. Oh, my word. You, you turn on your TV, you don't know what to believe. I don't know. I think maybe it's just time to turn off the TV and open up the book. Oh, imagine that. Imagine that. Maybe if there was less of Netflix and more of the Holy Bible, less of Fox News, more of the Holy Bible, less of CNN, more of the Holy Bible, less of, uh, of Newsmax or whatever it is, or any of those other right-wing, pl- this is your source of information right here. But we need to pray for truth and morality to be presented in the media. Father, in the name of Jesus. You have told us that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and that you can turn that heart the same way you turn the rivers of water. May I ask that the heart of the media be in your hand also and that you can turn it as well. May the lies be exposed and may the truth be highlighted. May the perversions of truth be exposed so the truth can be highlighted. We ask for voices to be stopped up that are sending out propaganda messages that are only perversions of truth, twisted truth, some out-and-out bald-faced lies. We ask for your intervention. We ask for your help. We ask for your grace and for your favor. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, number seven. So number one was family, number two, churches, number three, education, number four, government, number five, military, number six, media. And by the way, you may notice I had to go back and flip through the pages. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to write them on my hand because I'll be the same way tomorrow. I'll be like, what what, what was number four? I'm going to write them on my hand so I don't forget. So number seven is businesses. I think this is an important one. I'm thankful that... The uh, National Day of Prayer organization added this to their seven points. Here's their statement. Today's business leaders hold a great deal of sway in our society. America has long celebrated the entrepreneurial spirit of men and women who have launched innovative and successful companies. In generations past, honest and generous CEOs were rewarded with loyal employees, customers, and clients. In recent years, however, greater numbers of large corporations are becoming characterized by deception, greed, and even fraudulent activity. We also need to add to that praying for small businesses who have been decimated by government restrictions due to the pandemic. Yeah, it's like the big, it's like the man wins and the little guy loses. That's not the way it's supposed to be. The mom and pop shops, the little businesses are really the fiber of of economics in our society and you can go into any town now for years they have been closing down but none like since 2020 you go into any town big or small closed closed 
closed, evacuated, vacant, empty, closed, out of business. The list goes on and on and on. And we need to pray for God's intervention and for God's help. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for businesses. In two aspects here tonight, for those large businesses that continually want to merge and conglomerate and don't care at all about the individual but only the dollar, we pray, Lord God, that they would be stopped in their tracks or changed in their hearts. We pray for the small business person who's just struggling to keep their heads above water, to have a dream, to see a dream come true. We ask, Lord God, that this can happen for them. We ask for your grace over all of these seven things. We come to you tonight, excluding all other things. We come to you tonight in reverence and awe for who you are. And we come to you tonight with trust and faith that you will hear our prayers and that you will forgive our sins and that you will heal our land. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you've been blessed tonight. It was a blessing for me to be able to put this together and to present it to you and to sing a couple songs to you. Miss Diane and I love you. We're praying for you every single day. We are believing for this thing to be over soon. I keep having to remind myself that it's only May 5, that because we're, we're closed for the month of May. I don't want to see more and more uh, cases of COVID showing up, which may extend this in-person closure. And so we still have a, f- a couple, three weeks to get things cleared up and to get us ready to being back together here, assembled in the house of God. The Bible teaches us, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, but to provoke one another to love and good works, especially as you see the day approaching. That's why I'm preparing you for the Lord's coming. I call you blessed. Keep your nose in the book. Keep your knees bent to heaven. Keep connected to the body of Christ. Now I'm just going to add an extra one tonight. Write these seven things in the palm of your hand tomorrow in the name of Jesus. Have a great evening. We'll see you soon.